Today, we're going to talk to a seller who grosses over $30 million a year online, and he has a cult following in the Amazon seller world due to his crazy strategies that include listings entirely made up of puns. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. If you're like me, maybe you were intimidated about learning how to do Amazon PPC, or maybe you think you just don't have the hours and hours that it takes to download and sort through all of those sponsored ads reports that Amazon produces for you. Adtomic for me allowed me to learn PPC for the first time, and now I'm managing over 150 PPC campaigns across all of my accounts in only two hours a week. Find out how Adtomic can help you level up your PPC game. Visit h10.me forward slash adtomic for more information. That's h10.me forward slash A-D-T-O-M-I-C. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. We've got a serious seller who is actually from here in the United States, but he's on the other side of the world. You're in Croatia right now, right, uh, Ben? Yeah, yeah, I am. Excellent. That's got to love the life of a you know when you're an e-commerce entrepreneur, just up and go to Eastern Europe and and less less chill and go snorkeling. I think you were saying uh, yeah. that you did today. So that's one of the benefits. Now, I I want to have. Uh, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. I know part of it is I wanted to talk a little bit about what um, I heard you speak on at Billion Dollar Seller Summit, like hiring. You had some pretty funny things, but it was it was interesting that that there's you have this like cult following almost because I remember at Billion Dollar Seller Summit when people saw your name on the speaker list, they're like, "Oh no, I have to get." I have to hurry up out of lunch and, and come see him because he's just like he's got some amazing stories that and they, they didn't even, and then they weren't even talking about your hiring stuff but yeah but just some of your your journey too so <laughs> let me see I don't know where we're gonna start where I know you're in Croatia now but yeah. where were you born and uh, raised I was born in West Virginia Did you go to West Virginia No University? I, uh, You're not uh, a mountain West, mountaineer right the, 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 Mountaineers Yeah I grew up about three quarters of a mile from the football stadium uh, No I, I left after high school and moved to North Carolina to go to a tiny liberal arts school that nobody's ever heard of to be a Greek and Roman history major. So, you know, just the normal standard Amazon practice. Oh yeah. There you go. There you go. So then graduating, <laughs> did you become a professor in that or what kind of job can you get with a degree in that? Uh, turns out nothing. So I taught tennis for a while. <laughs> what do you know? Like who would have thought that? Oh right. my goodness. You know, I, I, not me. I apparently didn't prepare for anything, but uh, it worked out. I ended up here. What, so what did, what did you get into, though? Like, what did you yeah. move back home or did you start working right after college? Or what? No, so I played tennis in college. So I'd worked at a bunch of junior clinics. So I had uh, built up kind of like a some connections with the juniors there. And in Charlotte, like to join a country club is several thousand dollars a year. Plus, you have to pay $80 a lesson. I was like, there's no way my time is worth all that. Uh, so I was like, I'll mm -hmm. teach you a lesson for like 30 bucks and we'll just go to a park over there. Uh, so I built up a group of about 50 different kids that I was teaching teaching lessons to uh, each month. And so I did that for a while. Okay. And then I uh, started to – I worked with a company in, using Salesforce to write uh, telecommunications contracts for 
T1 Ethernet and phone system lines. This is as exciting as it sounds. Oh my! Well, I mean, I can see how how much that 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 degree prepared you for these two first endeavors that you did. <laughs> so then, uh, what brought you from all these things different, which is pretty varied, uh, from yeah. teaching tennis and this too? What brought you to e-commerce? So the company I was with said they were going to cut my bonus uh, and eliminate it, which was about 25% of my salary. So I said, I'm going to cut the amount of time I work here by 100% uh, <laughs> and leave. So uh, fortunately, at the time, I had a, a friend who's a serial entrepreneur who wanted to get into Amazon. And he's like, well, why don't you, Do you say do fortunately or unfortunately? I said, no, for- fortunately. Okay, I heard I heard yeah. it wrong. I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> okay, no. So I had, he was wanted to get into the Amazon space and was like, "Why don't you come do this?" And so uh, he and I. What, what year was, about are we are we talking? Uh, this uh, is here. end of twenty fourteen, beginning of twenty fifteen. Okay, okay. And so he and I and uh, two of our friends, other friends, got started uh, doing retail arbitrage. So we were going to salvage auctions, going to random discount stores, driving a twenty six foot box truck. In case anyone's counting at home, that's the largest box truck you can drive without a mm-hmm. CDL. Uh, mm-hmm. We did look that up. It holds 12 pallets. Yep. Uh, but so, I mean, we went all over the East Coast as far north as like the Boston area. I think one guy actually went to Niagara Falls. Uh, so, and, so you'd like pull up to like Kmart's or like Walmart's and stuff and, and just like buy clearance stuff by the pallet? Or how uh, in the world so did you the, fill up a 26 foot? The biggest place we went to was Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Okay, not familiar with it, but uh, it's a chain. They have about two hundred plus stores, but they were they just buy stuff wholesale, and it's super cheap. And we just go okay. in with uh, forget, what was it Profit Bandit? I think was an app that we were using back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Scan the barcodes and fill up like eight carts. Take those carts out to our uh, truck, load it up, and bring it back. Take off the. Uh, Do you ever get over the embarrassment of like walking through that? Like, like with, with all the eyeballs, like, what is this weirdo doing with eight carts? <laughs> you know, check it well, out. The the worst thing was half the time people were like, oh, are you buying these for charity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, right. Like, can the we Benjamin, end this conversation um, now? Fun uh, for. <laughs> I'm dead because you're like buying stuff that people are going like people go there to buy discount things and you're like oh sure. I'm gonna buy all of these like I need these 150 pe- uh, boxes of cat food way more than yeah. your cat does uh, right so like there'd be times where it's, you just feel awkward like taking the last one off of the shelf because it means that somebody sure, else isn't going just to get leave it. one or two maybe you know yeah so that, I, I did I did do that. Uh, <laughs> Just to so kind. to like make myself feel a little bit better about it, but yeah, no, there was there was some awkwardness there. The, uh, now, the now, now, this seems like a pretty big business. So, like, I, I, what was the peak like uh, of a yearly gross sales for doing this uh, arbitrage model? We, for we you? built that up to like I think our peak doing just that was just under three million. Oh, wow, that's crazy! <laughs> Love it. Um, All right, now at what point were you like, you know what, I need to maybe start diversifying, you know, and, and move to private label. So that was, I mean, probably mid-2016, we started talking about it. Uh, we really went hard into it in 2017 and then uh, switching over. And then by 2018, we were completely out of it, doing anything other than uh, private label. But it was just one of those things where it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I have some mm-hmm. horror stories of driving that the box trucks. Around, we had two uh, around the country. Like, I learned how to drive. Tell me, a, tell me a couple of the craziest ones. All right. So I learned how to drive a stick shift. I had never driven one. 
first one I did was a box truck that <laughs> you could only start in second gear. Um, but so there's a uh, there's a stretch of land that you go like a bridge that you go across to get into the Outer Banks uh, near Elizabeth City, and okay. I was going across that in a huge rainstorm, and the driver's side windshield wiper fell off. So I'm like leaning down underneath the when the steering wheel trying to use that to like block, like give me some kind of dividing line <laughs> until I could get across this bridge because like, there's no place I can pull off. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that was that was a thing. Uh, I blew out a tire on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and didn't realize it until like a trucker next to me is like honking his horn and pointing at my tire for like five minutes. I was like, why are you honking at me? Oh, one time I had a truck. I had a 16 foot uh, truck, and this is when I was doing like uh, car parts, um, like the whole Fast and Furious stuff, like uh, body kits and fiberglass body kits for cars. And one of my drivers drove back, and then when he got to our warehouse, he realized he had left the the whole door open, and so you know, like three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars worth of body kits are somewhere along the I five freeway uh, throughout this time. But uh, yeah, so we all have uh, interesting stories with yeah. with trucks that we usually don't have to worry about once you move to uh, to private label. Now, now, can you think back to the very first product that you started selling? Are you still selling that very first product today? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, the first private label product. Yeah, yeah the, the fir- well, so the first private label we are selling still. Uh, Wow. Only on our own website. Uh, Amazon okay. decided to flag it as an adult product. So we uh, can no longer sell it on there with advertising successfully. Ah, is it about adult product or is it borderline, you know, like, like borderline or what? Uh, I, was, <laughs> I would say it's probably borderline. Um, but there's no going back. Like, like right. you couldn't say, yeah, was, like, hey, not, let me change yeah. the keywords and they'll start allowing you to advertise yeah. or anything. No, like it, it's something that they could make. They could easily claim as adult and like while the purpose of it that we intended was not adult like the Mm -hmm. the design of it would i can't blame them for for classifying it that way but that's the uh that's one of the stories that people have probably the design of that product i all right people get your minds out of the gutter right now please (laughs) let's concentrate now my my mind is going places well yeah all right now okay i'll tell you i'll tell you what it is once we're not on the air okay that sounds yeah this is a pg Right. slash pg-13 show so yeah. let's keep it clean but so now that, that was actually ahead, ahead. the what launched her first brand and made it like was kind of like a crazy way for it to launch a shock jock dj found our mm-hmm. product and okay. it's like i gotta i gotta have you guys on my show uh and so he, re- he reached out and we only this had is not the, howard stern we're talking about it was, is not, it? it was not howard stern it was a, okay a similar, but that kind of that, that, that similar person okay he had like yeah. maybe a two hundred thousand listener uh base wow and so we're like yeah free advertising let's do it right uh but then we're also like wait we only have one product we should have more mm-hmm. uh and we had about three weeks before we had to go on the show so we just started like coming up with paper products and stickers and anything we could possibly do that would fit into the same brand uh, so okay. we had other and like ordering them from like the random U.S. web uh, websites that you can order printed products from to try and get a brand built as fast as we could. So by the time we went on the show, uh, we had about 15 products. Wow. Uh, that That's some product research and and, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> and production levels uh, never seen before. Three weeks and launch 15 products. I an love an argument could be made that they weren't really <laughs> well-researched. 
Uh, but so, I mean, we just like with that brand, we had an immediate launch of having that uh, the shock dog, shock dog DJ saying, "Hey, yeah. let's do this," and we ended up being. And were you on, sending people to website or to Amazon? Uh, we sent people to Amazon. Okay. Uh, and then we had so we were on there. Or, well, my friend, my one of my friends, my business partners went on there first, and then so he did all the talking. Uh, now they make me do all the talking, uh, and then uh, that went so well that we ended up going on a second time to do a giveaway. Uh, so. We ended up having like first product got us two appearances on a radio show with two hundred thousand listeners for free. So uh-huh. if you're ever trying, if hey. you're trying to launch a brand, I'd recommend just doing that. It's easy. What just doing an adult product and getting on a raunchy TV <laughs> or a show, podcast or show? Right. Is it, hey, let's just work for you. It seems like a no brainer. <laughs> now, um, quick question. Now, before Billion Dollar Seller Summit, uh, you know, a couple months ago or last month, yeah. Uh, have you spoken on other stages before? No, that, that was my first time speaking on a stage. I've been to. Okay. Then, then I need to understand, like how in the world did you already have a cult following when nobody's heard you speak before? So I'm assuming just, you know, networking with people and you telling your story. And then if so, tell me the kind of things that you were telling people that, that I, I, I'm not joking. Like, like everybody's like, Oh no, I got to I gotta go. I gotta go listen to Ben because this guy's crazy, you know. So I was like, so give me. I'm, I'm assuming that this probably was one of the stories, but yeah. but go ahead and give me some more uh, of your historical Amazon exploits uh, that, that 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 got you your cult following in the industry here. I mean, a, a lot of them are, are some. A lot of them are based on uh, some of the products we sell that I've that I've told a few people about, uh, where yeah. it's just they're just kind of ridiculous. Uh, and I think part of it was part of it also is just like we've never really like try to jump out or be like in front of people and we sell a fairly large amount of product. Uh, so like I, you I, said, you don't even do Amazon advertising, right? No, no, we do, we do Amazon advertising. Oh, you do do yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Okay. We don't, but we don't well, do, I mean, not for the adult products though. Not You're not the, allowed not to for, for the adult products. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but we don't do anything uh, like we don't do anything on Facebook or TikTok or Google right now. Mm-hmm. So like we built everything through Amazon, which is a little different from where everyone else, what everyone else does. Like uh, I was talking to, uh, to an, another seller who who speaks a lot, and they were saying that they, uh, one of their big things that they try and do is they provide everybody vegetables that whenever they're speaking. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who are out there trying to like say, here's the here's a lobster, here's the steak, here's how you build, like, here's how you make stuff sell as fast as you possibly can, or here's how you rank up. It's like, but everybody needs their vegetables, yeah. and right, right, like that was partly how we how we built our brand, but like the the other aspect is just like. We do a lot of ridiculous things. Like our website uh, for the company has jokes talking about uh, the IRS not believing the things we're saying and uh, a bunch of other like just random. Uh, I think I believe it still says that uh, we stopped paying people with expired Pizza Hut coupons. <laughs> uh, but so like we the way that we've mar- the way that we market our products, the way that we market ourselves is just so kind of out there and different, I think is the, one of the, do you do any of that on Amazon? Like have some weird lifestyle images or, or weird copying your bullets or uh, that, that just gets people's attention or we, we have listings that we've written that are entirely made up of puns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is great. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would say, yes, we do. Uh, we do, we do come up with some, re- some ridiculous things that we do that we do on Amazon as well. Like, I mean, the the big thing is just trying to get attention to it, and 
Uh, like, even if it's just something that somebody says, hey, you should go look at this Amazon listing. It's ridiculous. Like, it leads into yeah. the comments on some of our products are just the my favorite thing in the world to read because you just go through and it's just a bunch of like the reviews and, and stuff. Yeah. Who may, may or may not have bought the product, but they just have to comment mm-hmm. on it because of how ridiculous either the product or the listing or both are. Interesting. So then I would like, uh, assume you're doing like the regular stuff, you know, like using helium 10 and cerebro. Let me find the, the top keywords for this product. But then instead of just doing the traditional, all right, uh, l- let me just write about this, you know, make some sales copy here you're going for like almost like the, the shock factor while still integrating those keywords so that you get the, the algorithm on the back end, but then you get a whole bunch of organic virality, I guess you could say, uh, from the front end. Yeah, absolutely. Like we want we want people to be able to find the listing. That's why we have to have the keywords there. Uh, so we use Helium 10. We use the, I mean, Cerebro Magnet, uh, Black Box to find some of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we'll go through and we'll just try and make it interesting. Like, if you can keep somebody on your page, they're more likely to buy. The longer they stay on your page, the more likely they're going to buy your product. And if we make it interesting for them to read it, then they'll stick around. Uh, Are you able to give any examples uh, of uh, some older products you used to do or, or just to like let people understand the level of craziness that you guys do? We're selling a product that related to corn and that was one of the ones that had a lot of puns in it. Uh, See, I, I think that uh, like one of our bullets talked about how uh, it was a great gift for corn enthusiasts, which apparently those are a thing in our mind. Uh, uh-huh. But it was, I mean, that one was entirely pun based, like corn based. Uh, we in 2016 sold a like when everybody was going crazy about the election and had a like I think giant meteor 2016 got very popular at that time. That wasn't one that we made up. Uh, but mm-hmm. we had a Killer Bees 2016 uh, sticker that we made just as an offshoot of that to see what we could do. Uh, and that was just literally full of every bee pun that I could possibly think of. Uh, I was a two-pack. You could get one for you and one for your honey. Uh, I remember that part. <laughs> uh, so I love it. It's just, it's just silly stuff like that, that, like just to try and find another way to set yourself apart. And, and then you would literally see reviews where people are just like, this is... Th- like the craziest yeah. list I ever saw, or yeah. so I had to buy this product or something like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And it, yeah, it just keeps them around. All right. Now what, uh, you know, before we talk about like, you know, hiring strategies and stuff, which, which is what they invited you to speak at billion dollar seller summit, cause you've got some great strategies there. What are some other unique, uh, you know, serious or not serious, uh, uh, you know, this is the serious sellers, you know, podcast, but, yeah. but we can go unserious uh, today. Serious or not serious, uh, look, different strategies that that you've you think that you do a little bit differently. Like, you know, what, what's your tips for us? Where it's like maybe it's about how you do your PPC, about how you do your keyword research. Uh, we already know about your listing optimization yeah. here. Maybe something you do with images. Any, any it could be a, anything. Yeah, I mean, so this goes kind of with listing optimization and photos. It's just. Uh, everybody talks about how you need to differentiate your products and how differentiating your product is the only way that you're going to be successful on Amazon. But people mm-hmm. are really bad at showing that they've differentiated their product. So, uh, like I've, I've reviewed a number of listings for other companies where they like with friends or something where they've asked me to look at it and see what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, what they can improve on. And most of them are just so focused on stuffing as many keywords as they possibly can into it. Yeah that they don't make it obvious what they've changed and why their product is better. And mm-hmm. so the, the biggest thing that I think that sellers lack 
uh, in optimization and co- for both copywriting and uh, for the photos is they're not showcasing why their product is better than the next one. Like they may have made a phenomenal change, but if the buyer doesn't know it, then there's no reason for them to to change it. And I think yeah. that like not having a hook is probably the the biggest issue that most people when they're creating listing have. Okay. What what else can you can you, I like that because you know sometimes they say, hey I I uh I I, I my, my product has this feature that nobody else has, you know. How different right. can you get? But you know, nobody knows about it, you know, because it's like buried in the eighth bullet point or, or yeah. something like a little sub note. So yeah, I, I like that. And that, that's what we did with, uh, like we have a, a product that we sell a four pack for like 25 bucks and there's a 12 pack that's also on page one that sells for $26. Uh, and we outsell them about 25 to one. Wow. And Amazing. it's from the, I mean, that's for the, the main keyword for the the product, but it's, it's just from the, the listing optimization and, uh, showcasing why our product is better or if your product isn't better creating some way of saying it's better like a a while back we don't uh sell this anymore we had a product that was bpa free every other product in the market for the uh like that product was also bpa free but we Mm -hmm. put bpa free at the start of our listing and immediately jumped to the top of basically every search that we cared about because Mm -hmm. people were like oh bpa free this matters i care about bpa free this one is that. And I mean, eventually the other, pro- the other products cut on and changed their listing. But for like five or six months, we took over all the top spots just with a simple differentiation tactic that yeah. wasn't even necessarily a differentiation tactic. It was just showing that uh, it was just picking what you're marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, now, you know, you, you talked about how, what level of success you achieved in the in the retail arbitrage, but just to give people an idea of the company size now, like uh, across all e-commerce channels, what would you estimate your, your, your gross sales to, to end? You know, obviously we're, we're, we're not yeah. even at Q4 yet, but, but if you were, if you were to take a wild guess and project out what you're going to end up 2022 sales wise, uh, somewhere between 35 and 40, 35 and 40 million. Okay. So 35 and 40 million. How many total employees do you now have working for you? Uh, I hope they're not going to listen to this because I don't know off the top of my head. We have uh, around like 74, I think. 74. 74. How, how many based in U.S.? How many based overseas uh, approximately? It's about 50-50. Uh, we, uh, we keep okay. a warehouse in Charlotte. So uh, keeping that staffed has a, a pretty large U.S. base. Okay. Now, I remember, you know, you had talked about how before you sucked at hiring. Like, like why, why did you suck? Like, like what you, you got, you had to fire a lot of people or, or what? What sucked about your hiring before? Uh, there's a, a mix of like falling in love with candidates based off of their resume and like, oh, they have all this great experience uh, and looking at that and seeing and like prejudging and deciding who we want just based off of what we see there before we even talk to people uh, and not necessarily keeping an open mind for the people that maybe are coming in with less experience, but are better at learning or more, uh, more interested in working with the company and growing and improving themselves. Uh, it was probably okay. the biggest thing, just being tied to, like, if they have the experience, they're going to be awesome. And we basically found the opposite. Now, so, you know, I think anybody understands that, hey, hiring a bad person, not good, you know, for, right. for, for, for the business. But, 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 but you've actually put it into kind of like monetary terms about what it actually means, how bad it is for business yeah. um, when you make a bad hire. Can, can you put that into perspective a little bit from, from your research? Yeah, so I mean, there there are a number of websites online that talk about it. So 
think the I think the example I used at Billion Dollar Summit was uh, like if you hire a fifty thousand dollar person, the mm-hmm. estimated loss if you fire them after six months is something in the neighborhood of one hundred eighty thousand dollars. So a little over three and a half, uh, and that's just basically like you're losing that that money because the person is the time you spent training them, the time you spent hiring, yeah. the yeah. fact that you're not doing other things because you're working with them. If their work is bad and causes problems with other departments, uh, like all the, any issues they cause, so it's just like there's a huge number of things that factor into what you're losing out on by having the wrong person in the role. And like to me, the the biggest thing that you end up losing out on is the opportunity cost of it, because if you're sure. tying up your time or your manager's time uh, trying to train this person, you're not building the business. And if like the we hired a person to do cop well to basically take over all of our off Amazon marketing, uh, mm-hmm. which they had all the experience they'd built like all these crazy brands they had all this amazing uh, information and so we're like yeah this is great we're gonna hire him we're gonna pay him a bunch of money and it's gonna be awesome, uh, but we said in order for you to start building your team we need you to show that you can do the job, and in like three months they worked on like two listings and a couple of photo sets, but they sent us a bunch of emails with ideas. Uh, so that was the, what we learned from that is like the super high level people sometimes just are idea people and they need to have a team uh, in order to be successful. And like they may have been able to be successful if they had a team, but we wanted them to prove that they could actually do the work because if you can't do the work. How are you going to teach somebody else how to do the work or how to manage somebody uh, in our mind? And so after about six months or no, maybe it was a little less than that. We ended up just saying like, look, this isn't working, paying him severance and letting him go. And mm-hmm. we went from, and that was like 2018. And we went from there until early this year before we even tried to look into off Amazon marketing again, because we got so burnt from that. And with how successful a lot of companies have been with off Amazon marketing, where could like, we're doing 35 to 40 now. Like where could we be had we been doing off Amazon marketing, like double, triple, uh, like what would the, what position would be in? And so like the opportunity cost of that hire is, I mean, literally millions of dollars. Yeah. Interesting. Now, all right. That being said, Hey, I think everybody understands now that this could make, you know, potentially make or break a company or at least, really affect uh, at the very least really affect your bottom line. So what are some, some tips that you can give as far as, you know, vetting, you know, whether we're talking about domestic hires, whether we're talking about, you know, virtual hires, you know, you could have domestic virtual hires, you know, people you're not meeting face to face, you know, um, whether they're in the United States or whether they're in the Philippines, Pakistan, wherever, like yeah. what are some, some just, you know, uh, we, we could probably talk about this for like three hours, but you know, right. with, with the, the 15 minutes we have left or 10 yeah. or less than 10 minutes that we have left, What's your best tips uh, for for Amazon sellers out there? Hey, they're they're, they're ready to take that step. Or I can't do everything on yeah. my own anymore. You know, I need to start hiring. Hit us with your best uh, tips. Uh, test test the people in advance. Like come up with a a test process where, like, if you know that the person is going to be doing research for you, even if it's not keyword research, send them a research project. Just make something up and pay them to do it and see what the result that you get back is. Uh, we test, we do two tests for every hiring thing we do before we even start interviewing somebody. Uh, so 
Uh, I guess very quickly, like our process is basically we're going to do a, uh, whatever they apply, they fill out like a 10 to 15 minute questionnaire. Uh, our VAs go through that. They have certain criteria that they're looking for in that, that they will eliminate people. And like the, the criteria that you have and that I have are going to be different. So it depends on what you're exactly you're looking for. Uh, once they do that, they send them the first test. We will review the first test. Uh, while they're, while we're reviewing the first test, we'll have them take the first part of a wonder lick, which takes about 10 minutes, uh, just as a kind of, uh, intelligence analysis to see, uh, where they're at there. And then how, how do you get though? I mean, I've only heard of that. Like when they test them, uh, like football quarterbacks right. before the, the draft, they take the Wonderlick test, but I would say 98% of people out there who, who don't follow football might not know what a Wonderlick test is or yeah. where to even get that. Uh, so we do like, we, I mean, if you want me to mention the software we use, like we do most of our hiring, we do everything through jazz HR. So everything's linked in there. Okay. Um, interesting. But so that's, just, that's, so that's like, like part of your part of what you pay them for. And, and they, they give yeah. you access to these tests. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's how we did it. I didn't actually set that up, but I believe that's how we did it. Uh, but, all right, all right. Uh, if not, it's something that you can just Google. Like, how do I how do I make someone take a wonderlick? Uh, mm-hmm. But it gives us really really good data as far as what they're able to do, and also uh, if they can follow instructions because we only ask them to do the first part. So whenever somebody goes through and does the th- all three parts of it and says this took way more than ten minutes, we're like, well, you didn't read, uh, mm-hmm. and also we're probably not going to hire you now. Uh, <laughs> Just because, like, it's the ability, like, that's what a lot of the testing is for, is conscientiousness. Like, are they sending you back something with a bunch of typos? If you say, make this Google Sheet and share it with me, uh, are they actually sharing it with you? Or are they making it available to other people? Or how is, uh, mm. is it just, like, general, simple stuff like that, that you're going to get an idea of the quality of work that you're going to get from them? Because... If they're not doing well during hiring, like when you're, they're literally trying to get this job and this is like, this should be the hardest they ever work on your job or for it's your It's like job. when you're dating, you know, right. uh, you really, you know, get, take a lot of time and get dressed and make up if you're yeah. women and stuff like that. So if, if you just come disheveled, if you're a guy, like obviously you're not going to be putting much effort once you get married. So I, I like that yeah. philosophy there. Okay. So that's the first test we do. It's just the kind of simple thing. And then we do a much a much more elaborate uh, test for the second part. Like for our copywriters, we actually have them write an entire listing for us. And we'll say like, okay. what are the keywords you want from us? And we'll go into Helium 10. We'll send them the uh, the exports so that they have them. Uh, but we'll actually have them go through everything. We have a fairly robust uh, training module for copywriting. Uh, I think we have okay. something like 30 SOPs or something on it. And we'll send all of those over to them and say, like, read through what you think is going to be valuable for you. We recommend these certain specific ones. And they're able to go through and see it. And, like, we're not necessarily judging them based off of, like, the exact quality. But it's, there are certain, like, there's essentially a checklist that you need to make sure is in every listing. And are they hitting all those things? Are they showing creativity? What are, like, and it's the same thing for whatever job you're looking for. Like if for our VAs, we had, uh, like we use a service called, a, well, not a service, a program called AutoHotKey, which is basically mm-hmm. you type it, you can set up formula, like, uh, it's like, now I'm blank on how to describe this, but it's basically like an entry-level programming thing where you can make certain keystrokes will cause a chain of reaction. So like yeah. you can type, 
Uh, it's like if you hit Control W when you're in uh, Chrome, it's going to close the tab you're in. Uh, All right. But you can have it to where, like for Barrage, if we want to dispute a review, we just hit like two buttons and disputes it for us. Uh, because mm-hmm. you can simulate clicks and do all these things. So we send over how to set those up and have them actually create their own to see if they're able to do it. Uh, huh. So there's like little stuff like that that is relatively minor and relatively straightforward, but it gives you great information as far yeah. as uh, what you actually can get from them and what their capabilities are to to learn and grasp a new concept. Let me just take a couple steps back, you know, before, you know, this is great for like interview process and vetting and stuff, but let me go to the very beginning of this process is how do you, um, give us a tip on, you know, regardless of the website we're using uh, of some ways that we can have an uh, attention grabbing headline or, or, or copy, like, you know, what, what do, well, what gives you the best candidates in the first place? Like what, what can you do differently than just the average Joe out there, you know, is putting indeed listings or something. Well, as, as you might have gathered from the ridiculous listings that we write, we also try and in, try and throw some humor into it. So, uh, like, we'll start out with, I mean, the title is basically, it's pretty straightforward. It's going to be uh, what the job is, but we're going to end it with a couple of key benefits to the job rather than just saying, like, I'm looking for somebody, uh, like, warehouse worker, Charlotte, North Carolina, $15 an hour is what a lot of the the job ads will say. Like ours would say, mm-hmm. warehouse worker, Charlotte, North Carolina, $15 an hour, uh, only work weekdays, and like, I don't know, health insurance included, or something like mm-hmm. that, where we're actually showing like some of the other features before you even have to, before you even click into it. It's the same way as like, you want to use the, top, the first 50 or first 55, whatever it is of the uh, for your listing copy, you want to use the as much of the title as you can to get people into it. Uh, and then once you're in, just try and like grab their attention. Like we use it, we do jokes, but it doesn't have to be that. It could just be you're continuing to show why your company is different. Uh, it could be uh, like maybe you offer snacks uh, to everybody who works there or something. I don't know, but yeah, which we do. Uh, Come work for us. For yeah, me, but, that would turn me off because I'm trying to lose weight, and uh, I'll be like, "Up, oh, I can't work here." <laughs> so, right, I have snacks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's interesting. Too, that's too bad. Uh, how, how many? How many do you target? Like, what, do you have a number? Sorry. Like, hey, I need. I want to get a hundred. I want to get a hundred applicants, or, yeah. or like, uh, what's your target? Uh, literally anybody that will wants to apply. We don't want to limit it at all. So hmm. I guess that's the other tip: is don't put a bunch of requirements in. Like if there are absolute musts that you have to have, like if it's a job that requires you to lift over 50 pounds regularly, yeah, put that in the listing. But think about if you actually need to have people, do they have to have a college degree? Do they have to have experience? Like for the most part, none of us had experience. On, well, like my friends and I, none of us had experience with Amazon before we started it. And everything yeah. that we've done, we've learned from. You didn't have experience driving stick shift before right. you started driving <laughs> yeah, your, your truck. Yeah, I didn't have know. experience uh-huh. driving a forklift before I did that either. Uh, but like, you have to go into it with the mindset of, I want to get people and I'm going to figure out the best person from this. And like with Amazon, it's just such a different concept to any other kind of marketing. Like my, my brother is a professional copywriter. I paid him to write a listing for me one time. And I hope he will never listen to this because it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> but 
he's so used to like, okay, I need to get as much information as I can in as few words as possible. And like the keyword density doesn't matter as much for what he's doing because he's doing like white pages. And for an Amazon listing, like you want as many words as Amazon will let you put in basically. I mean, within reason, but uh, you're trying, so you're trying, it's just a completely different style. So would you rather train somebody or have somebody come in with bad habits? And for us, we've had more success for the people that we bring in who have no experience and have done nothing. Uh, Mm -hmm before like, I, heard, I heard that from multiple people actually at the yeah at the billion dollar seller summit they they, they 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 actually purposely don't want amazon experience people right. because they're like we don't want them coming in with bad habits you know yeah. um so it's interesting all right so so you got you, you got this great you know job listing you, you get tons of applicants you start putting them through these tests to, to weed them down so like how many do you do like final interviews so like like pass all these these things like how many what is the last step for uh, you guys before you decide who you're going to hire? Yeah, so the final interviews, we'll usually end up interviewing uh, maybe five uh, people okay. after they've gotten through the test. And by that point, we'll uh, and we'll have some idea of where we would want it to go, assuming the interviews go well. I mean, a lot of the interview is testing to see if they're going to fit the culture. Um, and the other aspect of it is just, like, we actually go, there's a book called Top Grading that influences a lot of our hiring practices and how we do a lot what we do is basically saying that the per, your job is to become an expert on what their job was at their previous job so you're, whatever their previous job was if, even if it was college like okay uh you were in college what was a really hard class for you and that's what you dig into uh but you see you want to like talk to them about it and just say okay so what did you do on a day-to-day basis how did that impact the company uh find out like any major projects that they were a part of so, like, if somebody's talking, like, yeah, I switched uh, our company while I was there, switched from this ERP to the other ERP. Don't say, oh, that's awesome. Like, you were a part of that massive project. Find out what they did in that project. So, say, mm-hmm. like, so if somebody comes comes back and says, yeah, uh, my role in the ERP was to do the data entry to change over where the information was. That's different than if you're talking to somebody who says, well, I evaluated about 15 different ERPs, and then I came up with the SOPs and system for how we're going to change everything over smoothly without breaking anything. Like those are both people can give the exact same answer Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. the big project was setting up this new ERP, but the the actual role they had in it can be massively different. And so you want to always make sure you find out what the role was and how it impacted things. And if they Mm -hmm. don't know what their, how the role impacted things, they probably weren't very good at their job and you probably don't want to hire them to be perfectly <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I, I love this. You know, we, we could just go on and on and on here, but we got to come to close now. We close the show usually with a, a 30 second tip, our TST. Um, it could be about any any topic at all that, that you want to give that you can give in like 30 seconds to a minute. What's your strategy out there for people? Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we made was we were looking at ACOS and we weren't using a tool for it. We weren't like, we weren't using any kind of software or anything. And so if you sort in Seller Central by ACOS, it completely ignores the things that haven't had a sale and waste and are just wasting money. So make sure that you are looking at the products that are the keywords that are just outright losing money and not converting at all, uh, because mm-hmm. you will waste a lot of money if you don't eliminate those. And 
Uh, even if it's the top. I didn't even realize that. I mean, I've always used Atomic. You know, right. So I mean, obviously it calculates it right. But I didn't yeah. realize that the Seller Central one doesn't include those. It, it includes them, but they're at the very bottom. Like if you click on ACOS, like if there's no yeah. sales, it doesn't show. There's no ACOS. Because oh, there's, yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Uh, okay. So there's just these ones that like if you're not using Atomic uh, or yeah. any other software, like you're just you're blind to them and you can lose a lot of money very quickly. Uh, and the other thing with that is even if the top keyword for your product is like, oh, I have to advertise for this because it's the top keyword for my product. If you're losing yeah. a lot of money on it, stop advertising on it. Come back to it once you've actually have sales from other things and you're ranked up in other places and Amazon might give you a better position. So like, don't just throw money at something that is useless. That is okay. not helping I, you. I might have to take that advice because I'm losing my my shirt on the coffin shelf keyword there in advertising. So uh, it's just like, there's a sentimental value. Like I have to be number one right. on this keyword. Uh, all right. I'm going to have to take that advice. All right. Thanks a lot, Ben. And we'll see you later. Thank you.